the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the miracle of Christmas. And we celebrate this season in the year of the church called Advent, a season where we look back and remember, here's a theological term for you, the incarnation. This is a word that we use to describe something that happened uh, over 2,000 years ago in a cattle stall in Bethlehem where Mary gave birth to this child. And this child was a miracle because this child was God becoming flesh to dwell among us. That's what Advent is about, looking back at Christmas. And the miracle of Christmas is not just that God became flesh, though that's pretty miraculous. It's that God who became flesh did not give up his divinity when he became flesh. That's the miracle of Christmas. Right? Jesus isn't 50% God and 50% man. He, he didn't give up his divinity completely to become human flesh. He actually was 100% God and 100% man at exactly the same time. And when we celebrate Christmas, when we walk through the season of Advent, we're remembering that miracle, the miracle of the God-man. Now you might be thinking to yourself, this doesn't make any sense. I can't wrap my mind around this. this. This doesn't seem possible. In fact, how is this possible? And I would say to you, exactly. That's why we call it a miracle. Because it doesn't make sense, and we can't wrap our minds around it, and we can't fully understand it. But we come to a day like today, Christmas Sunday, and we celebrate the fact that God became flesh made his dwelling among us, the miracle of the incarnation. But Advent isn't just about the miracle of the incarnation. It's not just about the first coming of Christ. Advent is also about the second coming of Christ. Just as the people in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, had this deep longing and expectation that one day the Messiah would come, and they were longing for that expectation to be fulfilled. That, that's what Advent is, right? It's, it's expecting the coming of Jesus. That's, that's what happened at the first Christmas. But, but Advent also is supposed to cultivate in us not just a remembrance of his first coming, but that same deep longing and expectation that one day Christ will come again. Right? So we look back and we remember that God is a God who makes and keeps promises. He promised that the Messiah would come. And on Christmas, the first Christmas, he sent the Messiah. He's a God who makes and keeps promises. He's faithful to his word. And we look back and remember so that we can look forward and have faith. That the God who made and kept promises back there is the God who has made and will keep his promises for the future. This creates in us, are you ready for another theological term? This one, this one I want you to, to write down and remember so you can work it into conversations with your family over the Christmas season. Just work it in, but do it nonchalantly and then just move on as if they should know what this term means when you say it. Here's the term, eschatological hope. You don't even know how to spell it. Eschatological hope. Now, Again, if you could just remember that term and just work it into a conversation, but you got to do it nonchalantly. Just work it in and move on as if they should know the term 
And then when they don't know, you can explain it to them with the explanation I'm getting ready to give you. And they'll think you're really smart. Eschatological hope, what is that? Well, eschatology is this word that we use in theology to think about last things. It's when we talk about books like the book of Revelation where we read the scriptures that talk about how things are going to be at the end of the age. That's eschatology. And we, as the people of God, have a hope because of how we know the last things are going to play out. You see, the Christian hope is this, that one day Jesus Christ will come, not as a tiny baby in a manger, but he will come as a victorious king reigning over everything. And when he comes back, he's going to judge all of the earth. And when he judges all of the earth in that moment, he's going to set everything right again. Everything that's out of whack and bent out of shape and that's not the way it was intended to be, God's going to make it all right again. And in that moment, all things will be made new. And forever we will be in the presence of God just as we were intended to be. This is our hope. So Advent is about the miracle of Christmas. And even as I say those words, just listen to that baby cry. And then remember that our God became that. Remember that. The God who created everything humbled himself and became a baby. And we're grateful for that. But one day that baby is going to come back as a victorious king and he's going to make everything right and when he does everything will be just as it is supposed to be and we have that hope now you say why in the world is our pastor talking about so many theological terms on christmas sunday we just want to hear the christmas story and go home well i think these theological terms say something to us for today and I want to I just unpack in the next few moments a truth from those terms that I think leads to a very powerful insight for us today. And then out of that, I want you to hear an encouraging word. So that's what we're doing on Christmas Sunday. First, the truth that's wrapped up in these terms. The truth is this, that God has a desire to dwell with his people. This is the, the kind of deep-rooted desire in the heart of God to dwell with his people and to have his people dwell with him. And so all throughout the series of Advent, we've been talking about this whole concept and this whole idea of, of how God delivered his people out of Egypt and dwelt with them in the wilderness as he took them into the promised land. And so if you'll indulge me for just a minute, those of you here in the room and those of you who are joining us online, thank you so much for being here today, taking time out of your weekend to gather with us for worship on this Christmas Sunday. We're glad that you're here. Over these last few weeks, we've been talking about the story of Egypt and how God's people were in captivity in Egypt and God set them free, which doesn't seem like a Christmas story, except it's exactly the Christmas story. 
right? It's, it's one story in the biblical narrative, but it represents the ultimate story of God. That God hears the cries of his people when they find themselves in bondage and in captivity to whatever it is that holds us. When we cry out to God, God hears those cries and he comes to deliver us. And as he delivers us, he then comes into our lives in his presence, just as he did with the people of Israel. Right? He sets them free from Egypt, and then what does he do? He appears in the pillar of cloud by day, in the pillar of fire by night. His presence gave them direction, step by step, day by day, as they went through the wilderness into the promised land. And then last week, Pastor Jessica reminded us that God's presence came in the tabernacle, that that building that they put right at the very center of their camp as they were going through the wilderness. And why did he do that? So that he could define who they were as his people. What do we learn from the story that we've been walking through these weeks? That God has this desire to dwell with his people. He hears our cries. He sets us free. He gives us guidance and direction. And he dwells right in the middle of the people to define who we are, and to remind us that we belong to him. Now I said this story in, uh, about God's people being set free from Egypt, it's just one story in the overarching biblical narrative. Right? If you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, you read in the book of Genesis that God created the world, everything that is. The land and the sea, he created the birds and the fish in the sea, the animals that roam on the land. He created the vegetation and the fruit and he created everything that is. And he said it was good. And then at the end of creation, he created human beings in his image, male and female, he created them. And then he stood back and said, this is very good. Right, God created everything that is so he could create human beings. And why did God do that? Because God desires to dwell with his people. He makes Adam and Eve, he puts them in the garden, and then what does he do? He comes in the cool of the day, he walks with them, and he talks with them, and he interacts with them. And even when Adam and Eve break the commandment, And they go away from God's plan and God's boundaries that he's established for them. Even in that moment, God acts on their behalf to restore the relationship so again he can dwell with his people and they can dwell with him. We see this principle in the story of God's people being set free from Egypt. We see it in Genesis and we see it in Revelation. When we fast forward all the way to the end of the Bible, we read that God is going to gather all people every nation, every tribe, every language, every people group around the throne of God and they're going to worship him and they're going to be in his presence and he will be their God and they will be his people. And when we read the book of Revelation, what do we learn? We learn that God has this desire to dwell with his people. Now I'll be the first to admit to you and it's probably something you've already figured out that the Bible is a pretty big book right? It covers a lot of ground, and there are so many parts of it that are real easy to understand, but then there are so many other parts that are a little confusing, a little challenging. Some of them even seem hard to understand. In some cases, we might almost say it seems impossible to understand what the Bible is teaching us, right? And we look at this big book, and maybe it's hard to comprehend, but the Bible has this elegant simplicity to it. 
And the elegant simplicity is this, that from start to finish, from first word till the last one, there's one unifying theme of the Bible. And it is this, our God is a relational God. And he wants to dwell with his people, and he wants you to dwell with him. That's what the whole story's about. From start to finish. God wants to dwell with his people. Which leads me to a powerful truth, a powerful insight for us today. Right? God has this desire to dwell with his people, and we find ourselves living in this world today between the incarnation and between this hope that's coming at the end of everything. We're right in between. We're in between the already Jesus has come and the not yet Jesus will come again. Right? And we're right in between. And how do we live in the in between where we find ourselves? Well, we live with the knowledge that the God who wants to dwell with his people is with us. Today. Right? In the Christmas story that we read in the Bible, what, what's one of the names that's given to this child? He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a powerful insight for us day to day and moment by moment. God is with us. And he didn't just come to be with us as that baby in a manger who lived, suffered, bled, and died and was raised again and then ascended to heaven. He's still with us today. We know this because in Matthew 28, Jesus gathers his disciples. This is after his resurrection and before he ascends to be with the Father. And he gathers his disciples together and he says, guys, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. He even goes so far as to say, I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. So in the in-between, between Jesus' incarnation as the baby in a manger and his second coming as a victorious king, he's with us. He's with us. That means whether you're facing good times or bad times, God is with you. Whether you feel like things are going your way or whether you feel like the deck is stacked against you, God is with you. He's with you. And whether you feel like things are in control and you have some sense of a plan or whether you feel like it's chaotic and uncertain and everything's falling apart, God is with you. Because this God has a desire to dwell with his people and he is Emmanuel, God with us. Now this leads me to an encouraging word. And this is the encouraging word I want to share with you today. In a world that feels unstable, uncertain, and even unsafe, God is our refuge. God is our refuge. I don't know what you thought 2020 was going to be. But I'm pretty sure you didn't think it was going to be this. Right? I remember getting at the end of 2019, I had all these great plans for 2020, how things were going to go, everything was going to be great. And, and it seemed like it got off to a great start. 
And then March. What happened in March, right? And it just seemed like the world started to feel uncertain. And it started to feel unstable. And in some instances, as we looked around the world and saw the images of what was happening across our globe, not just with the global pandemic, but rising racial tensions and the divisiveness of the political culture that we were finding ourselves in, man, it seemed uncertain, unstable, and unsafe. But even in the midst of that kind of world, God is our refuge. God is our refuge. Now, I got to tell you, uh, this week, as I was working on this sermon, I was frustrated in this message because I kept feeling like I should talk about Psalm 46. But Psalm 46 isn't the traditional Christmas passage, right? We're not reading about Mary and Joseph this morning uh, looking for room in the inn, right? That's a traditional Christmas passage. We're not talking about the star or the fact that wise men still seek him. Right? All of those normal Christmas things that we might talk about. And the reason is because I kept thinking I should talk to you about Psalm 46, but Psalm 46 doesn't come up in the normal Christmas passage list. And so I kept trying to go away from Psalm 46. And every time I sat down to write the message, it just, it just wasn't working. So finally, I gave up and said, okay, I'll talk about Psalm 46. Little did I know that Pastor Jessica's been working on uh, combining these Advent readings that we've been using as you've been lighting the Advent candles. And this morning, I went to the printer uh, to get the manuscript off of the printer to begin uh, final preparations for our time together this morning. And the Advent reading is on the printer and lo and behold, Psalm 46. So in that moment, I just said a prayer and confessed my lack of trust in God that I was supposed to talk about Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is this wonderful passage in the Psalms that encourages the people of God when they find themselves in difficult times and seasons. And it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. Psalm 46 says this, listen to the words. God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. 
be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now when you read Psalm 46, it doesn't take you long to to discover that the psalmist is trying to encourage God's people because they're facing devastation and destruction. Mountains are being moved into the sea. The waters are roaring and foaming and they're causing the mountains to shake and tremble because they're so tumultuous. The earth is giving way. The psalmist says, nations are in an uproar and kingdoms are tottering. They're, they're falling away. Everything seems to be uncertain and unstable. Seems like the world is shifting under their feet. It almost seems as if in Psalm 46, the world is coming apart at the seams. But the psalmist is not discouraged. He's not defeated. He's not depressed. He's not full of despair. No, he has hope. Why does he have hope? Because he knows that God is our refuge. When the earth is falling away and kingdoms are tumbling around them, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a present help in times of trouble. Why is that so? The psalmist says it twice so we don't miss it. In verse 7 and verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. This God who desires to dwell with his people is with us. And because of that, he's a refuge and a strength, a help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even in the midst of a global pandemic, even when the economy seems to be weakening and the job market is unstable, we won't give in to fear or anxiety. And why won't we give in? Because God is with us. God is with us. Therefore, we will not fear. Even when it seems as if the world and society is pitting group against group and faction against faction, even when it seems as if violence is increasing and hatred seems to be expanding all over the place, even in that environment, we won't fear and we won't give in to anxiety. Why not? Because God is with us. God is with us. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. Even when it seems as if darkness is closing in around us, even when confusion abounds, even when we're going through the grief and pain of loss, even when we don't know how things are going to turn out or if it's all going to come together in the end, we will not fear or give in to anxiety. And why not? Because God is with us. We can be encouraged today. Because this God that we serve desires to dwell with his people. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. He's a refuge, a strength, a help. So how do we walk into this refuge in this season that we live in? Well, God himself tells us in verse 10. It's the only time in the psalm that God himself speaks. And this is what God says when he talks. Be still be still 
be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. For those of you watching right now, be still and know that he is God. He is God and he is with us. Now this word no, it's not a not like be still and think happy thoughts about God. It's not be still and and know intellectual truth about God. It's a much deeper word than that. It's it's a word that literally means be still and know God personally. It speaks to intimacy and connection. This is knowledge born of experience. And that's what God wants for you. In this season, in this this time, at the end of 2020, which has, has to be one of the easiest years on record, right? In this kind of year, be still. Because he's still God. And he's still with you. He hasn't gone away. He's not afraid. He's not caught off guard or he's not been surprised. He's still God. And he's still available to you. So for those of you in the room and those of you who are joining us online right now, if you already have a relationship with God, my challenge to you in the days ahead Over this Christmas season, find a few extra moments. Maybe it's a little bit earlier in the morning. Or for those of you who are morning people, I can see you right now. I can see you shaking your heads like, no, no, no more earlier mornings for me. Take a few extra minutes at night. Make that cup of hot chocolate sit next to the lit Christmas tree. And do what Ruth Haley Barton says. Make yourself present to the God who is always present with you. I love that phrase. Make yourself present to the God who is always present with you. Just be still and know him personally. Now for some of you who are in this room and some of you who are gathering with us online, you don't have a relationship with God yet. I just want to let you know God invites you into that relationship. And before you can walk into the refuge of God's presence, it starts by beginning a relationship with him. And the beautiful thing about God is that God has taken all of the steps necessary for you to begin that relationship. He created us for that relationship and and human beings walked away. We kind of went our own direction. We missed the mark of what God intended for us. And there's nothing that we can do to get back on track with God in our own strength. We couldn't do enough good works or good deeds. But what we couldn't do for ourselves, God has already done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. He's already taken all the steps necessary. All that we have to do is open our lives up to him. And if you're in this room or you're watching right now, you can open your life to a relationship with God just simply by receiving the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, the word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Just accept him into your life in this moment and you can begin a relationship with God and everything begins to change when that happens. So if you're here or you're joining us online and you want to make that decision, what I want to encourage you to do is simply 
uh, let us know that you're opening your life to God. We want to help you. We want to come alongside and help you take the first steps in your journey. And all that you need to do is simply text the word follow to our number, 765-222-5937. And you can do that if you're here in the room or joining us online. Again, text the word follow to 765-222-5937. And that will simply let us know how we can connect with you so that we can help you as you begin your journey. And we want to encourage you to do that. So again, I want to just bring it back and remind you of this really important truth. God's desires to dwell with his people. And the powerful insight for us in this season is that God is with us. And the encouragement that we get from that is knowing that in an uncertain, unstable, and unsafe world, God is our refuge. So in these next few days, I want to just encourage you to be still. Be still. And know that he is God. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your deep desire to dwell with us and to make it possible for us to dwell with you. You are a good, good God, and we thank you. Lord, you are our refuge. You are our strength. You are a very present help in times of trouble. So God, whatever we are facing right now, whatever we have faced in 2020, whatever we will face in 2021, you're still God and you're still with us. So help us to be still, to know you personally and to rest in the refuge that is your presence. And for what you do, God, we're going to give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name.